Hello, this is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to our podcast, The Making and the Remaking of a Codependent Mind. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off in the last episode. Because one of the things we said in the last episode was that everyone is responsible for their own emotions. But we all need help sometimes (laughs) managing those emotions. Yes. It's not like we have to always carry the burden of our emotions alone. Emotions can be very painful and difficult. It should be one of the benefits of being in a relationship or relationships is that you can help each other navigate emotionally difficult times and emotionally distressing situations. So this episode is going to kind of focus on this idea of emotional regulation. And in addition to that, this other kind of subtopic of that, which is emotional co-regulation, where two people in a relationship, as you're saying, hopefully can help each other kind of balance out each other's emotions. I think one reason that it makes sense that we all sometimes need help managing our emotions is that when we're born, of course, we don't have that capacity at all. So infants and small children obviously need a tremendous amount of help managing painful emotions or complicated emotional situations. There's only so many things that are just built in to us when we're born, but emotional processing is a huge thing that just is learned. There's evidence that infants are born with some capacity to self-regulate and to self-soothe, but those capacities need to be developed and enhanced Mm -hmm. as they go through the growing up process. And if you've been around infants and small children you'll have noticed that one thing that they do when there's an adverse event in some way, say they fall and trip or there's a a loud noise, they'll immediately kind of automatically look to the caregiver Mm -hmm. to see what the reaction, their reaction is. Yeah, right. How are you handling this? What does this mean? Is this something I should be afraid of? Is this this a situation in which I should cry or I should flee. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the the enormous amount of social learning that we do as, as young children, learning how to react emotionally to situations, and then also how to deal with any of the emotions that, that come out of difficult or, or potentially threatening situations. And we still, I think we still do that even as adults. Yeah, because of this whole pack animal thing. It, it mm-hmm. just gives us comfort to see that other people are maybe doing something that just kind of running our emotions by the pack. It's a tremendous source of information. Other other people's reactions and emotions in situations are a tremendous source of inf- information mm-hmm. to us. So, I, I mean, I do this kind of deliberately sometimes. I'm not a particularly nervous flyer, but, you know, flying's kind of nerve-wracking in certain situations. <laughs> and when those situations happen, say there's a lot of turbulence, I look at the the flight attendants, you know, because they're kind of the proxy caregivers in that situation. I assume they have a lot more information about what's happening than I do. And then if they're calm and relaxed, I find it much easier to soothe myself, to to calm myself down in that situation. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And so now project that all the way back to when we're children and we're learning how to handle the stuff for for the first time. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at the people, the adults that are closest to us or even the ones that we've kind of imprinted as being our caretaker, how are they handling it? Oh, okay, they're handling it calmly. I guess I can, that's how I should handle it too. Right, I don't need to be afraid. Yeah. Even Or even if I'm feeling fear, I can 
I can soothe myself because this person's reacting to their own fear with with calmness or with a sense of capability. And, and I think that it's possible that people with codependent behaviors may kind of come out <laughs> of the womb, so to speak, inclined to be even more in tune with other people. We're all in tune with other people. That's how we learn. But it may be that people who end up with struggling with codependent behaviors are particularly kind of sensitive already to other people's emotions, attuned to their social situation mm -hmm. and to their social emotional situation. So that may explain why certain people that have maybe this inclination, and we have what we've talked about, these traumatic events can lead to things like, say, codependent personality mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. a narcissistic personality. So maybe these people that took the codependent route had this, what you're talking about, just a little more empathetic responses to things. Which is a positive trait. Yeah. And if they didn't encounter kind of early trauma, early neglect, then those positive traits would have developed in a way that would have been helpful to them throughout their life and yeah. helpful to the people in their life. But yeah, if you marry this kind of innate responsiveness, empathetic nature, sensitivity to other people with interpersonal trauma, which again, doesn't have to be abuse. It, it could had just have been neglect or constant stress from the environment even. Mm -hmm. And dismissal too. So like this person that has this propensity, it, it just feels right because that's how they came out. But mm -hmm. then if they're time and time again told this is wrong or just dismissed. Yeah, so it's this combination of, of observation and the the training that they're getting from those caretakers also. So how, how are their caretakers reacting to their displays of emotion too? There's this quotation from an author, Robert Fullman, that often makes the rounds on social media. Don't worry that children never listen to you. Worry that they are always watching you. And again, it may be that, that people who ended up struggling with codependency are, are people are, were children who were particularly, again, sensitive and insightful and empathetic and picked up on cues that, that ended up traumatizing them yeah, and hijacking those positive mm -hmm. traits to create behaviors that while they were helpful in those early childhood situations became behaviors that, as we've talked about this, this whole podcast, made it actually difficult to form and sustain intimate relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that using that term hijacking for this because in so many of these episodes, we talked about healthy versions of all these behaviors and Yes, being empathetic is a healthy behavior. But yeah, when if it gets hijacked by something like trauma, interpersonal trauma, where somebody else basically kind of takes control of this person's empathetic responses. Now they're hijacked and now now it's just being completely misdirected. And they don't have to it doesn't have to be deliberate control. So it can be mm -hmm. as we're talking about this passive just by watching what your care, how your caregivers react to adverse situations or adverse emotional states, including your own, that can start you down this kind of negative path. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you think about then in, in that situation, you have this kind of very sensitive, um, empathetic, even infant or young child, there's an adverse emotional event, adverse physical event. What happens when they look at their caregiver and their caregiver is freaking out? Yeah, right. What do they learn from that situation mm -hmm. about emotions and about adverse events in their life? Yeah. And, and even trust of these people that were, are, are supposed to be caretaking them also. So, so yeah, and it, like we've talked about several times now, my dad's emotional reactions to things 
I assume being that way since the beginning. So me in this extremely formative years, the ages zero to two, just witnessing this and taking this in as like, okay, this is this is a natural. This is how people react to these kind of things. So even if it wasn't directed at you, even if it was, yeah. he wasn't yelling at you. So anytime that he would get impatient or frustrated or angry, yeah, at 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 anything, either one of us not behaving the way he expected or wanted to, or just anything. So like the most common one I always think of is like his computer not behaving properly. I mean, this is something he does to this day. So there, there will be things like that just in the house, the house not working properly thing, you know, just always something to get angry or panicked at not working properly. And then his go-to response being this loud, I need my environment to help me manage this because I can't. This lashing out really even. Yeah. So externalizing those emotions of frustration or anger or impatience, whatever kind of painful emotion he was feeling, externalizing those, dumping them on the whole household, which I'm sure was very scary as a very young child. Mm. The most, one of the most powerful people in the world, <laughs> your caregiver is angry or upset or frustrated yeah. because his computer didn't work or because you didn't put your jacket back in the place it was supposed to be. Yeah. What should be very small events where he should be able to emotionally regulate. Mm -hmm. It's fine to get impatient. You should be able to work through that without dumping that on your children or into your environment. Have To have him do that must have been very destabilizing yeah. and confusing. So he's appealing for emotional regulation. He, he wants others to help him regulate his emotions and he's forcing them to. Mm -hmm. by doing this externalization and there's different ways all of this is spectrum so there's different ways that people wind up doing this and of course there's some that are really severe obviously abusive behavior we've talked about my dad's version enough to say it wasn't really directly abusive it was kind of more just very immature didn't know how to handle his emotions it came off and had effects similar to abuse well we don't have the sense that your dad felt entitled to harming you because of his own emotional challenges mm -hmm. yeah. and that he would in fact be quite dismayed if he realized the harm that that, that those behaviors caused yeah i think you're right i think he had plenty of empathy he just didn't had a hard time handling his emotions and so if we compare that to your later abusive relationships with r and j mm -hmm. who both felt entitled to treat yeah. you badly you said at the very beginning there would be some kind of faux apologies, right? Yeah. But really it would be, I'm entitled to behave this way because you're annoying or I'm entitled to behave this way because I'm tired and feeling crappy so I can treat you however I want to treat you. Right, right. Because I'm the most important. And my emotions are the most important thing. In the, my comfort is the most important thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So people have these emotions, including caregivers, obviously, that are that are difficult and painful like we don't want to discount that and it's not just not just shame and fear there's a whole swath of painful emotions yeah. including boredom boredoms oh, yeah, can be true. very uncomfortable like very uh, deeply uncomfortable mm -hmm. um loneliness anxiety frustration yeah those those are difficult and so your dad would deal with those not, essentially not deal with them, but it would just, because they have to go somewhere, right? Right, right. <laughs> he would just externalize them. And then you had the model of your mother, which was more internalize, internalize them. Yeah, right. Suppress them. Mm -hmm. Become kind of passive and depressed. 
Right. And then she, like me, would take on my dad's, essentially, like kind of help him. So he's he's externalizing his, ah, I can't, I can't figure out the computer. And so now she's just going to go help him deal with the computer. So that's kind of just... Or if she didn't, she would just have to absorb it and and, right. and and just have to be around an angry, frustrated person. Yeah. So it, it, where did where do her emotions go here? You know. So she's taking on his, and she's internalizing hers. I mean, so that's one thing that that can happen, even if it's not an actively abusive situation where you just are observing a lack of emotional regulation mm-hmm. and learning the wrong lessons. That being that emotions are scary and unmanageable and situations are scary and unmanageable. And you really only kind of have two choices, either to kind of lash out and act out or to internalize and make yourself small and suppress those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, I did have a regular dose of I am trying to externalize my emotions as a little tiny kid and them being dismissed. So, right, that would be more kind of even a more active harm that could be caused. Mm -hmm. So we can think of maybe a situation with a young child. You were a young child when you went to to kindergarten. So Mm -hmm. if you're a young child, young child first going to school, I mean, that's a scary situation. It just is. It's going to be scarier for some children than others because of their temperament or their environment. But off the top, I mean, you're this tiny human and you have to go away to this building full of people that you don't know yeah. so you know if a child brings that fear to their parents probably ideally what would happen is that fear would be validated mm-hmm. so the caregiver would say yeah you're right <laughs> yeah it's normal to feel that way it, it 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 is a scary situation but then the caregiver could help them strategize the child strategize of how to manage that fear how to regulate that fear so there could be different strategies oh like he may let's take your why don't you take your favorite little toy in your backpack and then you can you know that 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 toy will help you and yeah or reminding the child of of the people that they will know in in the school um so there's various strategies but you know you're you're validating the motion you're saying yes that's okay to feel that way but a negative way would be one that maybe you encountered is this dismissal. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to do that. Yeah. And there's ways that sound maybe not as harsh on the right. surface, but are just as harsh to say, oh, there's nothing to worry about. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You, like you, that you, sounds okay. Right. <laughs> You're going to have fun. Yeah. There's nothing to well, worry about. Yeah. There's nothing to worry about. It'll all be fine. Yeah. Which you're right. It sounds like you're just being encouraging, but really what you're being is dismissive. Yeah. Really what you're telling the child is their feelings don't make sense and right. that there's something wrong with them for feeling that. Yeah, you're wrong to be anxious here. Oh, I went through school and look at me. I survived, so you'll survive too. And then there's the reaction that that does move into the, I think, realm of abuse. Yeah. Where you're almost uh, deliberately shaming the child for yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. So where you're saying things like, what are you afraid of? Yeah. What do you, you know, what do you weak? You know, yeah. big boys don't cry, that sort of thing. Right, right. So even more explicitly telling the child that they're wrong to feel what they feel yeah and that they should be essentially ashamed of themselves for feeling that way and then then what yeah. what happens like where do yeah. those feelings go yeah so you, you, you can't just stop being this. afraid right no right right you have to put it somewhere you have to put it somewhere so you're being you're being taught that you're supposed to put it somewhere else rather than express it and again so people can end up 
children can end up being emotionally dysregulated in very much the same ways that their parents are, because those are the models that they were either implicitly and sometimes explicitly taught, and which is either to externalize and when you have an emotion that you're having difficulty to deal with because it's painful, you lash out, you, you deal with it in an aggressive way that involves other people, mm-hmm. that implicates other people in it, or you internalize and you suppress it, you deny it, you pretend it's, it's not there, or mm-hmm. you turn it into shame yeah. for feeling it. And neither of those obviously are helpful in long-term intimate relationships. Right. Not being able to self-regulate your emotions and probably incline you to attach yourself to another emotionally dysregulated person right so yeah not being able to self-regulate and also not being able to honestly and clearly communicate your emotions Mm -hmm. either so as i know for myself habitually avoiding my emotions or burying them or putting them somewhere else and or and not naming them at all i i can't interpret them for other people either so then that's where these things come in, like my dad's behaviors and, or my behaviors as we talked about, like shame venting and things like that. Just like, I, I don't know what to do with this shame that I'm feeling right here. I don't even know it's shame, but I'm feeling crappy somehow, so I need to just bleh. Relieve it somehow. Yeah. So your previous relationships were with emotionally dysregulated people. Right. And when you say relationships, pretty much every relationship in my life, not just the romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I never had any long-term friendship even with a, an emotionally balanced person <laughs> until I met you. <laughs> so the long-term friendship you did have for 10 years, your best friend. Yeah. Who you've described as you kind of somewhat both employing codependent behaviors mm-hmm but they weren't particularly activated because you were more or less safe people to each other. There was still a lot of emotional dysregulation. It, it just wasn't expressed in an aggressive external way. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of internalization on both of our parts, and we had different strategies looking back on and just trying to remember the way he attempted to manage it or attempted to enlist me to help him manage it. There was not a lot of attempted enlistment on either one of our parts is the thing. Yeah. Both of us had a similar where we didn't really understand our emotions and and had compartmentalization and those kinds of things. And and so yeah, two people internalizing aren't really communicating intimately. And, yeah, and they can't help each other either. Right. Yeah, there's no so there's no what we're going to talk about a little more, no co-regulation because there's no self-regulation on, on either parts. And then with R and J, they were dysregulated in the kind of external, yes, <laughs> aggressive way. Yes. So the, that's the other the other way. Instead of two internalizers, there can be an externalizer and an internalizer. And then in my case, was especially damaging being the internalizer because and the codependent person with the codependent behaviors because I was already practiced at taking on other people's emotions. So I get come across this externalizer who feels entitled. Even so, this a step further, as you said, from Mm -hmm. my dad. They had the same kind of childish um, incapacity of handling their emotions, but their way of dealing it with was not only externalizing, but also feeling entitled to finding someone or people to help them manage it. And if those people didn't, there's something wrong with those people. Those people are enemies. Yeah, it's funny. Jay put on her Facebook profile that she's miserable to be around when she's cold or not well-rested. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a pretty big portion of one's day, potentially. Right, right. But so this entitlement to be miserable to be around, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just because you feel somewhat uncomfortable physically or emotionally. And I remember how that played out. You know, obviously there wasn't a lot of things I was aware of during the time. Of course, now everything's 
pretty clear. That entitlement was so strong that it was like, no, I'm telling you the reason. This is the reason why I'm being such a crappy person. So you need to accommodate that. I mean, or or else kind of, you know, right. you, you need you need to accommodate the fact. Uh, so I'm telling you, I'm tired right now. So watch out. I'm going to be I'm going to abuse you, basically. So mm -hmm. but this is why. So mm -hmm. get ready. You know? So it's, just, it's justified. So and then really any painful situation, whether it's emotionally painful or physically painful, they feel entitled to, to lash out. Yeah. So every day was a series of those kind of things. And they played out very differently in each one of those relationships. But yeah, with with Jay, we talked about it, it was a lot more on the surface and explosive, you know, just this kind of coercive, abusive language, shouting and, and stuff like that. And that would be, you've said almost any time, say you had to leave the house. Yeah. Or you had to be somewhere. Or again, you know, if she stayed up super late the night before, and so was then not well rested. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the next day, those would be instances where she did not feel she had to behave well at all. Right, not even try. Mm -hmm. So, so it's just like I, I know that I. It's kind of like saying I can't self-regulate right. when I'm tired. So <laughs> right. you need to regulate me. There's a great. Uh, this is a little bit of a side, but there's a great lyric that I love from a singer-songwriter that we both really like, Jason Isbell, that says, "You are who you are when you're angry, when you're scared, or you're sad, or you're bored." So this kind of speaks to that. It's easy to be a kind, decent human being where you're, when you're well-fed and when you're well-rested and when <laughs> right. and all your needs are being met. It's more challenging to be a good human being when that's not the case. So you don't, you don't get a free pass because you're slightly uncomfortable to be a shitty human being. Right. It's in those situations when we show the truth about ourselves, when we are scared or bored or angry when we're feeling emotional discomfort or emotional pain and how we handle that. Yeah, and we're all, we're all going to feel that and and sometimes it's going to be more difficult than others. So even without this blanket, I get a free pass to be a crappy person every time I feel tired or whatever. It could still be difficult, but eventually you need to have the capacity to be able to soothe yourself, to be able to figure out how to get through it. It's interesting too because we talk about people like R and J with where that's very close to the surface. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were saying R was better at disguising it. Yeah, hers was her. different. Her, her method was different. Yeah, yeah, right. and she could also self-regulate maybe in social situations. Mm -hmm. We gave the we told the story last episode where you know she would manage to regulate her emotional distress in the social situations mm -hmm. where again maybe she was feeling insecure or not validated enough. But then you would get home and she would unload on you. Yeah, because <laughs> she would feel like, oh, I don't, I don't need to self-regulate anymore. Right, I'm right. entitled to do this to Brian. But I, I've kind of experienced with people with codependent habits, people who it, do internalize mm -hmm. their anger or emotional distress, when you put them in, the, in situations where they feel safe, I'm thinking particularly like in a car where no one else is in the car. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Then they'll like freak out at, yeah, yeah. Freak out at other people. Right. So they still, I mean, because they still have those emotions as mm -hmm. well. And it's real, it's hard to mm -hmm. hold them in. It's, and if they don't know how to regulate themselves, they're just waiting for these situations where they too can kind of behave like these other people who externalize their yeah. emotions. And, and I think I've, I've made, the, that's a perfect example of being in the car. Like I, thinking back on my history of being this internalizer, car, when I'm alone and, and I feel as though no one's going to hear me, and I've gotten a lot better at this because I'm actually able to self-regulate now. Right. But yeah, in the past, just explosion, explosion. I'm not like tailgating stuff because mm -hmm. well, that's too far. No, like I can't, right. no one can know. 
that I'm beha- that I'm having this reaction, basically. Yeah, but you're yeah. laying into these. But I'm letting people. it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, and but then also there's a version of that that I've come to find from our early relationship, where if I felt somewhat safe with the person too, that I felt more at ease doing like kind of my dad's version of stuff, and and I'll still do this from time to time where my computer's not working. Looted at a computer or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I'm just saying this out loud. You're in the. I know you're in the room, and I know it's an inappropriate response, but I do it out loud because I just kind of need you somehow, your energy to help me, or even you to come over and help or something. But rather than saying like, oh, this computer's not working, can you can you see if you can help or something? It's just ah. Right. So you just mentioned an actual more positive version. So let's talk about the positive version that doesn't involve one person losing it and the other person either pacifying them or internalizing. And that's what, as you were saying, is is often called co-regulation. Yeah, right. So this is kind of what we're trying to get to. This is this is where relationships will be able to flourish and sustain. So it's starts with this capacity to self-regulate. So if two people are dysregulated, it's not going to happen. I agree. It, it, you have to come to a place where both of you have the capacity to self-regulate and are kind of sharing your own capacity mm-hmm. with the other person when the other person needs it, which is not, it shouldn't be all the time. No. <laughs> like it should be this balanced approach, right? Yeah. And, you know, and you can think of just very s- simple examples. We just went through a move, which is a very stressful event. Mm-hmm. So there needed to be actually a quite a bit of co-regulation. Yeah. Um, because yeah, so say we were we were packing. Oh, gosh, packing can be miserable, and we we're just having this lo- super long day. And I can't remember wh- what I was doing, but whatever I was doing, I was starting to get really frustrated. You and, were having to throw some things away. When, oh, that's right. Yeah. I really don't like throwing things away. It makes me feel like a yeah. failure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did I buy this? Now I'm just throwing it away. But yeah, we just had to throw because we're downsizing. Had to throw a bunch of stuff away. So I was like, yeah. I, so I, yeah, I was starting to feel yeah, just kind of <laughs> shame or panic or frustration, whatever, yeah. just painful emotions. And I was, so I asked you, can you take over this? I'm just really having difficulty doing this. And so it was, and it was great to have that. It was great to, you know, I could have worked through the emotions fine, but it was, it was really nice to have that support to say like, can I just step away from the situation for a while and get a hold of myself? And can you step in and, and handle it? And you yeah. Can- and the co-regulation on my part, and, and why and why it worked because rather than because I could have done a number of things I could have said like oh it's no problem throwing that stuff away who cares just keep doing it. it's fine you know yeah like, well, like what, what, what do you care yeah that wouldn't help you at all no. so instead it's like okay yes yeah, let's switch I, I'm I'm in this other room I'm just putting stuff in yeah. boxes it, like there's there's no throwing away there like yeah I can help you out in this yeah. situation that's nothing wrong yeah you didn't make me feel that I was <laughs> failing as a partner or something for not being able to do this task and yeah and we had a similar kind of thing with uh, we we just were selling the selling our house and that can be a stressful situation yeah and i wasn't handling certain parts of that as well it was it was causing a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. uh for you and yeah like the amount of time it was taking yeah like to get off or yeah and i'm and also not particularly patient person so i was feeling some impatience and Mm -hmm. but we had a number of conversations where we talked through those emotions and we reminded each other about the positives of the situation and and yeah i helped you kind of think through yeah. what was making you anxious and if that anxiety was founded in reality or was mm-hmm. it <laughs> and what could we do and what can we do yeah what what are some options like if this doesn't happen what would we do if this mm-hmm. doesn't ha- you know and this i've done the similar thing with my job but we've talked about this before where 
having a particularly difficult day or week or something like that. And it almost feels like, I don't know. I don't know if this is good. I don't know if I can keep doing this or should keep doing this. And But I'll say that out loud. I'll say, I'm feeling anxiety because this seems like a lot. And then we have a conversation about it and have a big picture conversation about it. So it's, yeah, it starts with this self-awareness where each one of us is saying, you know what, I'm having a hard time handling this particular thing. We have to be very clear about what it is we're having a hard time handling mm -hmm. and not just like, ah, I'm feeling anxious. Like about what? You're frustrated. I don't know, just, yeah. ah. And kind of lashing out. So mm -hmm. like your example with the computer, you know, yeah. it's, it's far more helpful if you're having, I mean, computers are frustrating. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I struggle with this as well. It's not like I'm always perfectly self-regulated, but okay. yeah, if you're struggling with something on your computer and it's starting to get you really frustrated, I mean, you have a number of options other than just kind of lashing out, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could, you could step away from it. Yeah, sure. You could just ask me, you could say... I'm getting a little frustrated here. Could you come over and take a look? I'd be happy to do so. Yeah, right. But what I'm not so happy to do is to sit in a room while you're swearing at a computer. Like that's yeah. very uncomfortable because again, we are, we're, we evolved to be attuned to each other. Mm -hmm. This isn't because, because we learn so much from each other's emotions. We're kind of naturally connected in that way. So those other options are you taking responsibility for what you're feeling and mm -hmm. asking for help rather than making me responsible yeah. for what you're feeling. Right, which is exactly what my dad did. You know, I'd, I'd never reached the point where I felt entitled to it, like RJ or other narcissistic type mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. do, but it's still not good. It's not a good environment to be in, and, and that's not sustainable either. Mm -hmm. So if I do that day after day, and that's always the way I handle my emotions is to just freak out, and you're not going to last long with that because that's not co-regulation, and... That's not, I'm not self-regulating at all. But having a partner in co-regulation is, is terrific. Yeah. Again, even though we said, and I believe strongly, people are responsible for their own emotions, having help, compassionate, connected help is, is really terrific. But the only pathway to that is to self-regulate, but also to hold the other person responsible Right. For, their, for their own regulation. Because yes, if you did that, and I responded like your mother consistently, mm -hmm. just rushed in to help you or to soothe you, then we're never going to get to correct because there's no balance there. Then it's just me caretaking you. Yeah. And I remember times, you know, it stung for a minute or two when you said, you know what, you don't need to be reacting that way. And I go, oh, geez. Of course, at first it's like, oh, no. oh my, my attention is being diverted from this frustrating computer thing to like, uh oh, I, I made an emotional error here. But mm -hmm. then that was such a more helpful thing to be feeling. It just kind of snapped me into, oh, there's other ways to handle this. Yes, there is. <laughs> so those are our thoughts on the differences between emotional dysregulation versus self-regulation versus co-regulation. Hopefully you found those examples helpful. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another relationship topic. You can find us online at Facebook or Instagram or TikTok by searching Codependent Mind. And we'd love to hear any of your thoughts and stories. Mm -hmm.